0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and
1: more. Artificial intelligence is developing at a rapid pace and with that comes warehouses full of computers to power it and more energy means more emissions. But a new chip that works like the human brain might hold the answer... Also, Amazon has some job openings available in its Melbourne warehouse if you're a robot. Plus, the platform formerly known as Twitter has begun reinstating accounts banned for sharing the worst kind of illegal content. And forget Uber, could robo taxis be the next big thing? All this and much more coming up. This is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. My name is Ray Johnston and welcome to Download This Show. It is a new episode of Download. This show. I'm Ray Johnston, filling in for Mark Fennell. And this week, I am joined by Meg Coffee, digital strategist and managing director of Coffee and Tea. Welcome, Meg. Hello. And I'm also joined by Alice Clark, award-winning freelance technology and gaming journalist. Great to have you, Alice. Thanks for having me, Ray. Now, AI is everywhere, even more than ever these days, but that means that we need more computers to power it, which is not necessarily a great thing when we're also looking to reduce emissions to combat climate change. But it seems someone has an answer. What has been created, Alice? So some
2: researchers at IBM have created a prototype brain-like chip that they say will use less power to run ai basically instead of being digital and using just ones and zeros and being binary it's more analog so it can kind of remember what happened before um and also they're just using great branding by calling it brain light
1: rather than analog (laughs) (laughs) so meg how exactly does this work
0: you can't ask me the very technical, super hard <laughs> question when you've got like the tech journalists here, right? Oh, all right. I believe in you. This is kind of cool, and like I love, I love the branding of it, right? Because I am the marketer in it, right? And that they have, they they are the way that they are using this digital and analog. But basically, I think Alice described it well. in, in, in what she was saying is they've they've created this chip that is able to do things faster and remember things, and in that remembering uses less energy, right? That's a very simplified way of, of talking about it. It is this digital and analog things. It, it, it's not these zeros and, 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 and these ones that the old ways were in digitals, right? So what this new chip does, and I love this term that they've come up with, these memory resistors called mem-resistors, <laughs> wow. right? that are analog and can store a range of things. And what that just means is it's, 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 these chips act more like our brains do. They're less, I guess, computer-like and more human-like for a simple terminology. And in doing that, they, they require less energy, which is the end result of being a good thing. So
1: they're less focused on a single task and using huge amounts of power for that. Instead, they're kind of spreading it across itself. Is that kind of how it's working? Well, because they can remember how to do things. So before, like, say it had to do 10
0: tasks, right? So it would take all of this energy because it had to do one, two, three, and all the 10 tasks. But now it remembers how to do tasks like 2 through 8, so it can do it really fast and, and doesn't require all the energy to do all of that, is
1: my understanding of it. So it's learning from previous tasks, which is one of the signifiers of general artificial intelligence as opposed to just the standard applied artificial intelligence. Is is this chip going to open up new opportunities in the future, do you think, Alice?
2: Look, if it works and if it's scalable, sure, I would believe that it could. But I also just remember years ago when they were going to make crypto carbon neutral and then oh. they came up with all these things that were going to do that. And then by the time they almost thought about kind of doing something, the bubble burst and then they just didn't do anything. If, if they make it and it works, sure, it'll be great because training chat GPT, which is oddly hard to say, <laughs> used 700,000 litres of drinkable water and every single con- like average conversation that's had with it uses about 500 mils of drinking water. And these data centres tend to be where the people are, i.e. where we need a lot of water and can't just be wasting it on a much worse worse version of search that will give you incorrect results and just some of the worst writing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> so yeah, sure, maybe this'll help make that better and maybe one day we could have true artificial intelligence. Or, maybe this just continues to be a waste of venture
1: capitalist money. Are we perhaps just simply using the energy that was being put into n f t s six months ago? Ooh. We absolutely are this look, is like this hype cycle
0: is recognizable. This is right. We needed new mm. jargon, and brain like chips and then resistors could possibly be it mm. and
2: look. Again, if it works, great, sure, whatever. But let's see if it does. Maybe this is just like those uh, room temperature quantum computers everyone was so excited about two weeks ago. Hey, look, they're (laughs) going to happen. I believe
1: in those. (laughs) Uh, Download this show is what you're listening to. It's your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. And Amazon has recruited or is planning to recruit some new employees for its Melbourne warehouse. Who is it, Meg? I
0: mean, they're recruiting the future, right? They are getting these really cool robots. Because <laughs> isn't that what everybody's doing these days? Yeah, so they're, they're getting ready to open up this new fulfillment center. And to be honest with you, like, at first, when I first read it, it was scare headlines. Robots are taking our jobs. And then I read it, and it was that they're getting these robots that will go and fetch the products and bring them to the humans. And then the humans can pack the packages. So the humans are still needed. It's just the, you know, robots
1: doing the heavy lifting for us. So previously it was the humans getting these messages, go, run, get this item from across the other side of the warehouse, quickly get back here. And, you know, famously Amazon employees have been timed on this around the world and been penalised if they're not fast enough. So are these robots coming into this environment good news, Alice? Look, I know I'm
2: usually the cynic, but yeah. I actually love that we're using more robots in previously dangerous and unpleasant work conditions. Like, it sounds great. I would much rather a robot break its back while trying to get that random purchase I made at 3 a.m. rather than a human. (laughs) Like, it's great. And as you said, Amazon has allegedly shown that perhaps it's maybe allegedly not a company that should allegedly be trusted with human workers. Allegedly. In a lot of ways. Allegedly. So, yeah. Yeah. Use some robots. That sounds great. And then make sure all the humans there are unionized. Earlier this year in Singapore, I visited a manufacturing facility where they make um, like motors for hair dryers and stuff. And the whole thing was automated. A cute little robot brought the box of parts to another robot and that robot then put the parts together. And at the end of that, a different robot picked up that box of all the completed stuff
1: and took it to a different robot that then did other stuff to it. I'm all for it. Now, it might be the part of my brain that's watched too many sci-fi movies and TV shows, but when I imagine these robots, I do imagine them humanoid. They're not going to be humanoid, are they? How, what do they look like? How are they going to operate in the space? Oh, When I first saw
0: the photo, I thought they were all little Roombas. Mm. Like th- these, these ones in particular, they're heavy duty, like they're, they're, you know, like hardcore little Roombas, little circular things that move around um, and can go and get heavy duty, can carry lots of weight and can, you know, skim around the floors of the uh, the warehouse and pick up whatever they need. I imagine they, they would go under like pallets and things like that. Mm.
1: Do we need to be worried about robots stealing jobs, do you think? Yes. Meg, elaborate, <laughs> elaborate.
0: <laughs> oh, look, no, I don't I don't think, I mean, we will always need humans. We will always need humans. And But I do think some certain jobs, yes, there are certain jobs that, like, the back-breaking ones, like, go and get this package for me, by all means, let the robot do that.
2: Yeah, like, this is probably bad for jobs. This isn't probably actually being put in place to protect people, but it's more just to make sure that rich CEOs and shareholders can make more money. But at the same time... We probably need to rejig our financial system and the way the world works. Maybe this is the revolution we need,
1: or maybe this is just a way to make things worse. Either way, it's going to be interesting. So are we seeing other companies pick up this idea? Do we have warehouses elsewhere in the country utilising these little Roomba guys? Yes. Uh, definitely, Coles
2: uh, has a warehouse that uses robots to put deliveries in the warehouse because they're better at tetrising and not crushing their fingers than people are. So everything can be
1: packed together more closely and more efficiently. And presumably, there's somebody operating these robots as well, right? They're maintaining them, they're they're training them, they're programming them. So that's a job, right?
0: Definitely. I mean, we know that, like, the mining companies have been using automation for, for a long time, um, but the more, the more commercial side of it, like, that, w- that we see in sort of the, the consumer use, that's, that's probably more at the forefront. Um, but, yeah, definitely, you, you know, we make fun of, um, you know, kids for gaming, but I think the kids that are gaming are the ones that are going to be, you know, running some of these jobs in the future because they know how to do
2: all of it. I will never make fun of kids for gaming. Those kids own me in Fortnite through sheer skill, and they will inherit the earth.
0: Not maybe make fun of them, and I am saying that to probably <laughs> the two wrong people, but maybe it's the spend too much time gaming. That's more what I was saying. We would never make fun of them. It's that you spend all of your life gaming. There, you will actually make, you know, a
1: living out of that these days. This is so true, and I'm in no position to judge them. <laughs> You are listening to Download This Show. I'm Ray Johnston filling in for Mark Fennell, and I am joined by Meg Coffey, Digital Strategist and Managing Director of Coffee and Tea, and Alice Clark, award-winning freelance technology and gaming journalist. And there's been some troubling news from the platform formerly known as Twitter, now called X, after a rare media appearance from one of its executives. Meg, what happened?
0: It is called Twitter. It will always be called Twitter. I refuse Correct. to write anything but. Just putting that out there. Uh, what hasn't happened? My head wants to explode and my heart absolutely breaks because Twitter is my absolute favorite platform and I and, and I yearn for what it used to be and I cry for what it currently is.
1: Well, there's a lot of people out there that aren't really aware of the drama that has been happening with Twitter and happening with X. What has been revealed? Sorry, thank you for letting me have that little rant. No problem. <laughs> Always. <Okay. laughs> so what
0: has happened is that we know that Elon, when he bought, you know, Twitter or whatever he wants to call it now, he, he he wants free speech. And so he has slowly been restoring accounts that have been previously banned for any number of reasons. And the reason that he is restoring them is because he believes in free speech speech, and he believes that people should be able to say pretty much whatever they want or post whatever they want. Unless he doesn't like it. Well, correct, or makes fun of him, you know, or shows his location. And so the most recent is that he's allowing people that, you know, have previously been banned for posting child pornography or sex abuse material, he's allowing them to come back on the platform.
1: So, what is the reasoning behind allowing them to come back? You would think that posting something like that would be an automatic lifetime ban, even for it, to protect Twitter, let alone the the people involved in the creation of that material.
2: Yeah, you would think. Um, but X's head of global government affairs, Nick Pickles, fantastic name. What an name. Hold that against him. Is he a Rugrats character? Anyway, uh, he said that the reason why the uh, most famous example of restoring an account that posted child sexual abuse material, uh, Lucra, said that his suspension was lifted because he posted the child exploitation images to say he was outraged about it. And thus, the intent was different. And I'm not sure if the child in the photos really cares about what this guy's intent was, especially when you've got Musk out there banning things like Hate Watch, like different organizations that keep a monitor on hate speech and hate organizations, maybe unbanning the people who post child sexual abuse material and banning the people trying to keep it tabs, maybe a bad sign.) <laughs> But Meg, much like you, I love Twitter. Like, I feel like I should leave after something like that. But at the same time, it kind of feels like I bought an apartment in a really nice apartment building, like the same apartment building as all my friends 15 years ago. But my friends and I are still there, and I don't know where to go. Yeah, and like, I mean, Threads is cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the same. No, it's just Instagram without the pictures. I don't need to see beautiful
1: people try to be funny. They they can't talk. They can't tweet. No. (laughs) Okay. This does feel like an unreasonable precedent to set, though, you know, stating that the intent behind posting something is the reason why it has been allowed or the account has been allowed to keep existing. You know, mass moderation and and the way that that is automated in order to protect people going forward, you, you know, Meg, you'd be aware of this. You know, we've got all of these moderators that have had to work so incredibly hard and endure viewing some really horrific material in order to create automated processes so that when we go onto Twitter, when we go onto Facebook, any of these social media platforms, we don't encounter this kind of content. So how is it just going to be turned around now that it could be overruled on a case-by-case basis?
0: I mean, there's no content moderation team left at Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean there might be a couple, one, two guys left at the computers. You know, look, those of us that that do spend a lot of time on Twitter would definitely notice the changes. We would you would notice that the the shift in content. And I heard something really interesting the other day. That was along the lines of, you know, um, of and, and I think even, even Elon said this, that he's going to use all of our tweets to, to train his AI models, right? And, and, and the shift in Twitter that I'm seeing right now is absolutely negative, and all of the content is just absolutely negative. So if we're training AI models on negativity, what is that going to mean for
1: the future? So you mentioned that the content moderation team is gone. So wouldn't there even be more of a reliance on the automated processes that were in place? Or don't they exist anymore either?
0: I mean, who knows? He changes things all the time. He's, you know, he... He, uh, he it just, wakes it, up it,
2: at 3am, decides to eat some wires. I think that's how the content moderation <laughs> works.
0: Exactly. Like but, the latest is he's bringing back the old UX because that's the best way it's ever looked. It's brand new to him, of course.
1: I think it's safe to say that the kind of moves that Elon Musk has made since taking over Twitter, renaming it X, are kind of the opposite of what you would want to do in order to avoid major issues, legal issues, running a social media site. What is the end game here? What is his play, Mick? Huh, ha! Huh. Well, isn't that the $44 billion question?
0: Right. Um, Look, he I mean, it's no secret that he's long wanted an everything app that X is his favorite letter and he's he's long tried. He tried to do it with PayPal, turn it into Mm -hmm. X and, and, and things like that. I guess for me, what I don't understand is how it wasn't cheaper to just go build your own. Like, why did he need to b- take Twitter and completely transform it? How how that has been cost effective for him, right? He didn't mean to
2: buy Twitter, though.
0: Well, right, but you know, I don't, I don't know what his end game. Maybe, maybe he just wanted to to own it and just, you know, exactly. He didn't mean to buy it, and he stuck with it. And you know, he has so much money; it doesn't, you know, forty four billion in the scheme of things is is nothing. Wouldn't <laughs> that be nice? But I do think, you know, he wants to big boys in their toys, right? He wants to be loved. Like, Hmm. we are talking about him, good or bad, people around the world are talking about him, and he is the kind of guy that that just makes his ego tick. And that's his end game, I think.
1: So we did mention it a little earlier, but there are some alternatives out there at the Hmm. moment to Twitter or X, if we're choosing to call it that. Have you found any of them a suitable replacement? Are you enjoying yourself on any of the Twitter alternatives?
2: I quite like Blue Sky. Um, Blue Sky is fun. Uh, it's got it has some early Twitter vibes, though also mm. there's there's a lot wrong with it. The the content moderation kind of sucks.
1: Not as bad as Twitter, though, right? <laughs> not as bad as Twitter. <laughs> what, what is the invite code situation? How does that work?
0: So to be on Blue Sky, you have to be invited, right? And the more active you are on Blue Sky and the longer you've been on there, you, the more codes you get and you can invite people. Um, but it starts out, I think you have to be on there two weeks before you get your first code or something like that. Mm. So it, it was hard. You know, I was on there, but not enough of my friends are. And it's that social graph that keeps you coming back to the platforms, right? The people that you're interacting with. And I think, you know, a thread for example you had all these people but it was the celebrities that were being thrown in your face versus your friends blue sky i liked it was interesting it felt like twitter so, so blue sky was great but not enough my friends showed up because not enough my friends are, are tech nerds and, and techies and, and and into that um so then i was over on threads i love threads i'm like the user 9601
2: there's also mastodon and hive too hard yeah
1: I think I found both Mastodon and Hive, the barrier of entry was a little bit high for people. Threads was so simple to sign up to that I was seeing family members on there. And I think I'd managed to have a bit of a separation in my social media. Twitter was where I spoke to strangers and colleagues and people from my public life. And Facebook and Instagram was where I interacted with people that I knew in the flesh. And seeing those worlds collide was a a little bit uncomfortable. So, I think it's an interesting time with social media adjusting to how we are going to use it in the future and a real opportunity to assess our use of it as well. I know I've cut back a lot on the time that I'm spending on these platforms. Maybe I- joined
2: Reddit. Oh.
1: Well, <laughs> well, I was going to say,
0: I haven't cut back. I've shifted. I'm all over LinkedIn now. I spend all my time on LinkedIn. Oh, that's
1: worse. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: Well, I have to put it. So I'm an addict, right? It's Same. not like I was going to
1: cut back. I just had to move. You moved to Reddit. I moved to LinkedIn.
2: Reddit and Stardew Valley on Apple Arcade are the I two places highly, I moved.
1: highly, highly, highly endorse Stardew Valley. Now, download this show it is what you're listening to. It's your guide to the week in media, technology, culture and robo taxis have been given the green light in San Francisco. Alice, what in Transformers is a (laughs) robo-taxi exactly?
2: It's like, what if a regular car didn't have a person driving it, but an AI, which we all know is always safe and always recognises things accurately.
1: Look, this does sound terrifying, but it does also sound like exactly what we were promised for the future, which we are currently living in. So isn't this fine? No. No, it's not fine, Ray. <laughs> it's not fine at all.
2: Okay, so what happened was basically the city of San Francisco has approved full use of autonomous cars from Waymo and Cruise for commercial use against the wishes of many residents, the police department and firefighters. Like There was a very contentious six-hour meeting where, like, half the people were for it and half the people were against it. And, like, the arguments against it, the the cars have a lot of cameras that the videos of which could be handed over to police. It seems like an invasion of privacy to just have all these roving security cameras going everywhere that are owned by a private company. Uh, They also just, like, will block emergency vehicles because there isn't a person who goes, ooh, that loud bee-boo, bee-boo behind (laughs) me might mean that someone's dying. I'll move to the left. Like, it's just, it doesn't know. It goes back to that old thing from i think it was like an IBM presentation in the 80s which is that a computer can never be held responsible so it should never be put in a situation where it has to be responsible ooh i like that yeah driving a car is like one of the most it's like
1: it's it an everyday danger
2: it requires a lot of responsibility it's the most re- thing you have to be responsible about like everyday when you do it i'm a cyclist i frequently nearly get run over by cars who just aren't paying attention but at least there's a human who I can like make eye contact with and they can see that I'm a person and they can stop. I can't make eye contact with a computer.
1: Meg, how will this expansion work? What's it going to look like? Are you are you just hailing a taxi and it and it knows that you want <laughs> it and it pulls over? Like how how does this work in practicality? See, before this this chat started, I was like, "These are really
0: cool. I like this." But now Alice is like, <laughs> "Alice has raised some really interesting points. I hadn't thought about." Well, see, okay, I hadn't thought about the roving cameras, but then I'm like, "There's cameras everywhere, so um, that doesn't really bother me." So it is like through Cruise and Waymo. They're the they're they're sort of the two main proprietors, shall we say, that are doing this. Um, and it's an app, the same way that you would order an Uber. So you just order it up, and and it comes, and it and it knows um there's some of these ones that are currently they they have a human that is in them that is just there just in case, but there are other cars that are completely humanless apparently people are having lots of sex in them
2: oh what yes that's With all the cameras?
0: (laughs) Well, see, that's what I hadn't thought about. And then you said cameras and my brain was like, what?
1: So you can put a single orange traffic cone on the Mm. hood of these robo taxis and it disables them?
0: Yeah, it's called coning. Completely, yeah, it completely disables them. There's like photos of them all over San Francisco, like flashing their lights. And you either have to like remove the cone or a human has to come and like reset the whole car.
2: It just freaks the car right out. It's been done by a uh, activist group in San Francisco who wants more bike lanes and better public transport. The fact that it can be disabled by doing something so simple doesn't mm. seem great for how well the car will handle with things, like a child running out onto the road after a ball or something. But, yeah,
1: sure, let's put them on routes. That sounds like <laughs> So there would have to be some benefits to these robo-taxis existing, otherwise they wouldn't be put out into the world, right? What are, what are the good things about yeah.
2: it? <laughs> the main arguments are that uh, the, these autonomous driving cars are safer than humans, which, yeah, nah. Data from Tesla autopilot seems to suggest that's incorrect. But also the argument seems to be that they're really good for disabled people because disabled people can just order a ride and have more autonomy. But you can already do that with a taxi. Like, I don't know why we have to take the human out of the taxi for it to be more disability friendly. I also don't see why we can't just build more public transport. But who knows? I'm not a venture capitalist
1: trying to make money off this. So... So who do we think is going to be keeping an eye on this project? Do do you anticipate that we will see local councils and governments here in Australia going, hmm, yes, let's replace our taxi drivers with robo-taxis? That will go down very well. Australia is so risk-afraid. We are never going to have
0: these.
2: I I, I would love your optimism. The biggest problem with self-driving cars is that they require really well-maintained roads with very accurately maintained lines and
1: as a country we're just not good at that. Is it just that our roads are too big, our country's too expansive, it's just not reasonable to have a service like this here? I want flying taxis first. You want? Fl- God you want to- no! I'm sorry. You-, <laughs> oh, God, God. you want them to fly before they drive. You don't trust the autonomous taxis, the robo taxis on the roads that we already have, but you want them taking up airspace. Is that is that what you're advocating for here? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the distances. You know, we have we have further to go. <laughs> we have a couple.
0: Maybe not a couple. Maybe there's only one. There's an autonomous bus that RAC has put on, and it runs a really limited route. There might be two of them that run in that loop, or maybe it's only the one. So I know that we do have these things, and there are people that are trialing them. But they are these very limited trials, and they are to, to do with you know maybe a, a specific objective of a green energy or or things like that, and they are by private companies. Do I think that these things are going to become mainstream in Australia in the next three years? No, I think we have a really a long way to go. I think we have a lot of common sense to work through. And I think that 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 sounds funny, but I I mean that. I think we have a lot of uh, of thinking and planning and and strategizing, you know, a strategic thought to get through um, before we can think about how we implement this, this new way of things. It'll happen eventually.
2: I also don't think we need to be in any rush. I think we can just see what mistakes Silicon Valley makes and then learn from them
1: first. Have either of you driven in an autonomous vehicle before? or yes. sat in the back seat while you were driven around what was it like it was like going
2: on I don't know a carnival ride and like there was a guy in the back saying and oh, this is what the future is going to be like see you can look go to the beach and there's like a picture of the beach on the side and then oh. at the end someone handed me a burger <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we know how to get you on side with robo taxis Alice <laughs> have them hand out burgers
2: always every day <laughs> that's all I need just give me food
1: that is unfortunately all we have time for on the show today. Big thank you to Meg Coffee, Digital Strategist and Managing Director of Coffee and Tea. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you so
1: much.
2: It was a good laugh today.
1: <laughs> and Alice Clark, award-winning freelance technology and gaming journalist. Thanks for coming back.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Glad to rain on everyone's parade at all times.
1: <laughs> now, if you listening enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you use. I'm Ray Johnston, and thanks for listening to another episode of Download This Show.